Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Going to have a great show lined up for you today. Uh, Father Stephen Imbrato is going to be on our program. He is the co-founder of the Men's March, often referred to as the Protest Priest. LifeMinistries.org is his website. We're going to be talking today about the rise of men, Catholic men, to stand up to defend life, the dignity of the human person at conception, especially in a day and an age where it has become debatable as to whether or not Catholics will support or, or call to conversion publicly those public Catholics who deny the Church's teaching on the right to life at conception. So that's going to be our conversation in our guest segment today. There's a men's march coming up in D.C. Uh, men from all over the country will be gathering to pray and to protest, peacefully, of course, peacefully, but protest nonetheless, and Father Stephen Imbrato is going to be our guest to discuss the Men's March coming up June 2nd, or June 12th, rather. In the What's Concerning Us in this hour, we are going to be talking about a couple of stories in the headlines. One is, I found over on LifeNews.com, head of Catholic pro-abortion group says, the Catholic Church is not Bible-based. I don't think she means, I don't think it means what she thinks it means, number one. And number two, um, let's discuss what it means to be Bible-based and whether or not the Catholic Church is, quote, Bible-based, unquote. We're going to have that conversation. But also, is it appropriate to have masses in honor of George Floyd? Uh, we wonder that, and we're going to be conversating about that in the What's Concerning Us section today as well. Good morning to you, uh, Janelle. Good to see you again. Good morning, Joe. You got up even earlier today. I did, I did. Oh, <laughs> Praise be to God. What's next? I mean, a morning uh, prayer in in Latin chant? I mean, like... At this rate, you're going to become heroic before you know it. Oh, I, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. <laughs> Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. And uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation because uh, I hopefully we can spend at least a little bit of time talking about the common objection that if you're a man, you can't talk about abortion because you uh, do not have a uterus and so you do not have an opinion. Uh, I get that all the time, and it's the most annoying objection ever. So hopefully we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, I bet it all will all come up. Uh, now, I've never interviewed Father Stephen Imbrato before, so this is going to be a great conversation today. He is a, a big part of the Red Rose Rescue Movement. In fact, I, I, I know he's been arrested at least once. One of my questions is going to be, how many times has he been arrested? <laughs> um, the Red Rose Rescue Movement goes so far as to put themselves in a position to uh, to go to jail for what they believe in, to, to rescue children's lives, but not just them, the mothers too. The mothers need rescuing as well, and they, they have a heart to rescue people who are in these desperate situations. So Father Stephen Broad is going to be a very good guest. But there's a lot going on in the news. There's a lot of conversation, especially from a Catholic perspective, on the abortion issue. I mean, the Vatican weighing in to the, to the USCCB, hinting that they may come up with a policy that they all agree to uh, in dealing with politicians, Catholic so-called politicians 
who uh, disagree with the church's teaching on abortion, whether or not they ought to receive communion. That debate has been hotly contested lately, and that's kind of the theme of this first hour. In the second hour, though, if you're at all able to join us, we would love to have you. Uh, the second hour is a little bit lighter fare. It's a little bit more fun, a little bit more inspirational. We, of course, will have breaking news and stories. We're going to have Saints of the Day, Gospel Day. That happens this hour and next. But in the next hour, we will have our Fear and Trembling Game Show, Praise Be to God. And prizes are involved thanks to this week's sponsor, apodandherpeas.com. Apodandherpeas.com is generously underwriting our game show this week. So we'll be giving out some prizes. So praise be to God for that. If you want the rules, the phone number, all of that information is, could be found on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. All right. So that is what's on the agenda for the next few hours. Hopefully you can join us for some, if not all of it. Praise be to God. But let's pray for your intentions, whatever's on your heart, whatever your needs are. We are going to ask Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to pray for you and for us, for our apostolates, the Station of the Cross, and the Guadalupe Radio Network, and our team here at the Catholic Drive Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now the headlines with Janelle Lee. Pakistani lawmaker calls for waging nuclear jihad against Israel. A military aircraft crashes, killing pilot after takeoff near Nellis Air Force Base. According to The Blaze, a man accused of intentionally crashing a car into police station has done so after threatening to kill an officer. A Maryland man has been charged with attempted murder and other counts after he allegedly crashed his vehicle into a police station intentionally and tried to hit officers with his car after first calling to tell the department that he was going to kill an officer. Police in the Havre de Grace suburb of Baltimore says Timothy Joel Jackson Call, age 24, called the department to and threatened to kill an officer on Sunday before going on a rampage with his vehicle that ended with the car smashed through the department's headquarters. Following the threatening phone call, officers were dispatched to Call's residence, which is less than one mile from the station. At some point before driving into the station building, Call allegedly hit some of his neighbor's vehicles. Two of the neighbors whose property was damaged spoke with WJZ saying that they were just grateful no people were hurt in the rampage. Life News says abortion activist almost runs over pro-life congresswoman praying outside of an abortion center. Representative Jackie Walarski was praying outside of the Whole Woman's Health of South Bend last Saturday when a Dodge Challenger nearly ran her and another person over, though the driver stopped short on the brakes just before doing so. From the Epic Times, New Hampshire auditors find a problem. Scan counted 28% of test ballots for GOP candidates. Auditors who are examining votes in Winham, New Hampshire, may have figured out why initial results showed a discrepancy in the vote count for a Democratic candidate. Republicans in Winham, New Hampshire, won all four seats in the legislative election on November 3rd, but a Democratic candidate, Christy St. Lauren, requested a recount, which was granted because she lost only by 24 counts. However, during a hand recount, it was revealed that she didn't lose by 24 votes. 
Instead, the effort revealed that the GOP candidates had actually received 300 additional votes, while St. Laurent lost 99 votes. Lindemann, one of the auditors, told Woomer TV that, quote, in some cases, fold lines were being interrupted by some of the scanners as valid votes. In a tweet, auditors said that they had found that another machine had, quote, an even more dramatic problem, end quote. That machine had counted only 28% of the 75 votes of each Republican candidate in the contest. One of the auditors cautioned that their work evaluating the election isn't finished yet, saying that folding may not be the primary reason for the discrepancy. The Daily Caller says that demographers warn of a pickle fall in fertility across the globe. Demographers have warned the New York Times that an avalanche of expanding and accelerating democratic forces is driving global birth rates down at alarming rates. A host of factors appear to be accelerating towards more deaths than births almost globally, except in Africa. Demographers predict that by the second half of the century or earlier, the global population will enter a sustained decline. According to the data for the Centers of Disease Control and the Prevention's National Center for Health Statistics released in early May, U.S. fertility rates are at their lowest since the government began tracking such data in the 1930s. Census announcements from China also showed the slowest birth rates in decades, the Times reported, noting that the era of high fertility is ending. And those are your morning headlines. The saint of the day is St. Cristobal Magianis Yara. St. Cristobal was born on July 30th, 1869 in La Salamentera, Dotiachia, Jalisco, Mexico. Uh, born to a farm family and worked as a shepherd in his youth. He entered the seminary at 19 and served as a parish priest. He helped found schools, a newspaper, catechism centers for children and adults, carpentry shops, and an electric plant to power the mills. He worked with the indigenous people to farm agrarian cooperatives with the townspeople. He was noted for his great devotion to Our Lady. When the anti-church government closed all the seminaries, Father Cristobal gathered displaced seminarians and started his own seminary. It was quickly suppressed. He formed another, and then another, and when they were all closed, the seminarians conducted classes in private homes. He wrote and preached against armed rebellion, but was falsely accused of promoting the Cristero guerrilla warfare or revolt. Arrested, he was arrested on the 21st of May, 1927, while en route to, an, to celebrate mass at a farm. In prison, he gave away his few remaining possessions to his executioners. He gave them absolution and without a trial, and he was martyred with St. Augustine Caloca. He was shot on the 25th of May, 1927 in Caloca. And Colotlan, Jalisco, Mexico, and was canonized on May 21st, 2000, by Pope John Paul II during the Jubilee of Mexico. Saint Cristobal, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 31. Peter began to say to Jesus, "We have given up everything and followed you." And Jesus said to him, "Amen. I say to you." There is no one who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. 
but many that are first will be last, and the, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If you back up a few uh, verses, I think it's uh, 10 uh, verse 20, you'll see about the, the rich young man who comes to Jesus. And he follows all the commandments, right? He's got most every, he's like 99% of the way there. And Jesus, because he's God, because he's a second person of the Trinity, and he, and he knows, he knows his weakness. He knows the one thing that this man must uh, face, the one battle he must stand, fight, and win if he is to be truly uh, virtuous and heroic in life. And that was to give up his, his possessions. The rich young man had a lot of possessions, and he couldn't deal with it. He couldn't just say goodbye to them. He couldn't let them go. The Lord knew it was his weakness, and he pinpointed it, and he called him out, and the Lord knew that he would walk away sad. He uses the moment as a teachable moment for his disciples. And this is why we see Peter, like, immediately throwing right in, but Lord, but we've given up everything to follow you. And then Jesus goes on to give his discourse on all the things that you give up for the Lord, Stop holding on so tight. Stop white-knuckling this thing. Let go of them. You're going to be fine. Uh, Theophilus says, although Peter had left but few things, still he calls these his all. For even a few things keep us by the bond of affection, so that he shall be beatified who leaves a few things. The question is, should we give, should you and I, are, we're not the rich young man, right? I mean, we don't have all of these massive possessions, or do we? I think we we are we are possessed of more things than I think we give ourselves uh, credit for. Let's just say. But here's what Saint Bede would say. But in saying this, he does not mean that we should leave our fathers without helping them, or that we should separate ourselves from our wives. But he instructs us to prefer the glory of God to the things of this world. And that's the kicker, isn't it? Do you? Do do I? Do we give up? Uh, everything in a sense that we prefer the glory of God more than we prefer our house, our home, our possessions, or those in our lives that would that would stumble us, those in our life that would try to prevent us from salvation. Do we prefer them over the glory of God? That's the question. Bede goes on to talk much about the last shall be first and the first shall be last. But that, that one sentence is the key. It's the crux of the whole thing. Do we prefer the glory of God to the things of this world? Chew on that today. How about you and your life? How about me and mine? Let's pray about it. After this break, What's Concerning Us is coming up next. And then Father Stephen Imbrato is coming up after that. We'll be right back. A lot of drive, Catholic drive time headed your way. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. 
They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God, it's good to be out with you. Uh, all right, so truth in advertising, I was I was eating almonds and I got busted. The show came back on air and I needed to wash it down. So anyway, praise be to God, we're back on the show coming up in about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so from now. There is a men's conference, or men's uh, march rather, coming up June 12th in Washington, D.C. Men from all over the country are going to gather to pray and to protest the uh, scandal of abortion in our country, especially by so-called Catholic uh, politicians that promote abortion in public policy. And Father Stephen Imbrato is going to be our, our guest coming up in 12, in about 20 minutes or so from now. LifeMinistriesUS.org is his website. The protest priest, as he's often referred to, will be our guest to discuss this. I also want to say thank you to realestateforlife.org, realestateforlife.org for being a generous sponsor of our program, helping people who are either trying to buy or sell houses to support pro-life organizations like ours. We're very grateful for that support. It helps us to uh, make this show possible. Uh, realestateforlife.org is their website. All right. So there's a couple of stories in the headlines that I want to jump into. One is this story over on LifeNews.com. LifeNews.com. Here's the headline. Head of Catholic pro-abortion group says the Catholic Church is not Bible-based. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see stories like this, I, I almost always do like an eye roll. Because I lack charity, mostly. But no, it's because it's like there's so many things going wrong here in this story. Uh, one is the notion of, is the Catholic Bible based? That's a conversation that's been had many times on Catholic radio, praise be to God. Not one that happens as much anymore, though, because the arguments have changed. It's not as though people believe in what the Bible has to say as much as they want to believe in whatever they're told to believe and whatever they feel like they should believe versus the truth itself. So there's one layer. The other layer is you have a, you have a Catholic who supports abortion as though it's right and just, also trying to argue about whether or not the church is Bible-based. Like, that is a contradiction on so many levels, it makes my head spin. But here's what the, the article says. A leader of the pro-abortion group Catholics for Choice claimed this week that the Catholic Church is not Bible-based, while she is defending the killing of unborn babies and abortion. Do you see the hypocrisy in all this? Speaking with Religion News Service, Jamie Manson, president of Catholics for Choice, discussed the issue of whether pro-abortion Catholic politicians should be denied communion. Her pro-abortion group uses the Catholic label, but is not affiliated with the Catholic Church. Praise be to God, it's not affiliated. Of course it shouldn't be. It is, uh, abortion is evil. And, and the church uh, rightly uh, teaches uh, that life begins at conception. 
Uh, the article goes on to say, quote, even for Catholic or even for conservative Catholics, the sacrament is powerful and should not be reduced as some sort of weapon of political intimidation or coercion, she said, unquote. She goes on to say, quote, Catholics are not evangelicals. We do not take things on faith. Hmm. We're not Bible-based. We're not a Bible-based religion. We are a faith that takes in multiple sources when we discern big ethical decisions, unquote. That's the crux of this conversation right there. You can go on to read. The article's not even very much longer, but we're going to link to it. You can read it for yourself. Lifenews.com is where I found the article. Head of Catholic pro-abortion group says the Catholic Church is not Bible-based. That's the headline. So, lots to discuss here. For starters, um, we are we are not... Uh, what, what did she say? We don't take things on faith. We don't take things on faith. <laughs> Boy, I wish St. Paul was sitting here in the room. I would love to have St. Paul on, the, on the, uh, the show to discuss this. I wonder what St. Paul would say. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Forgive me, Mrs. Manson. But uh, that's right. You don't want to go with the Bible because of those troubling verses that would seem to suggest, like, for instance, thou shalt not kill. For, you know, one of the Ten Commandments, that's in the Bible, so we got to throw that away and take other sources. What other sources, I wonder, are you pulling from that you want to give preference over sacred scripture? Now, the question of whether, oh God, this, this microphone does not want to, Lord help us, this microphone does not want to stay. Um, the question of whether or not the church is Bible-based. Yes, you're, you bring out a good point. The church, strictly speaking, isn't Bible-based because we aren't the people of the book. We are, it is rather the book of the people. The Bible is uh, something that has come out of the, the people, the, out of the church, out of the ecclesia, out of the assembly. There was never a time anywhere in the, in the history of time when sacred scripture was being written by inspired authors that the people didn't exist first. In fact, in the Old Testament, the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was the vowels that were missing. So a stranger picking up a scroll of the book of Genesis or Isaiah or something, they wouldn't find the, the interpretive key to even know what it actually says would have been in the people themselves. They are the interpretive key to the sacred scripture. The sacred scripture can't be independent of the people. The people first, then the scripture. And it was the late 4th century, 398 in the councils of North Africa, when the church finally had an opportunity to debate which books are in fact considered uh, scriptural, I mean, or inspired and canonical. And that debate wouldn't even end until the Council of Trent in the 16th century. But the list of books that we have in the New Testament and the Old come from those late um, 4th century councils in Africa and then confirmed in the Council of Trent. So, no. We aren't, in fact, Bible-based, if you want to say it in those strict terms, but the reality is we hold sacred scripture to be of the highest level of revelation. We hold scripture and tradition together as equal partners in the patrimony of faith. As St. Paul would say in sacred scripture, hold fast to the traditions which we handed on either by word uh, or by letter. Boy, this my microphone just really doesn't want to stay. I have to hold it the entire time. I don't know. I find this incredibly troubling. Adrian? Yes. I. You know, I have 
I don't even want to talk about the, the scripture part of it. My issue is with the group Catholics for Choice. I've been like brawling with the Catholics for Choice on social media for a couple weeks now, and they're just like the most disgusting and wicked people. They're promoting abortion. They're saying the church supports abortion, all this garbage. And I'm like, get out of the church. Get out. You, this is not, it's not right. It's not right to take the church, Holy Mother Church, uh, the, the church that our Lord founded and pervert her for the ends that for your own selfish desires. And the, all the arguments they make are the same tired arguments. In fact, they accuse me for saying, uh, for saying, they said, Oh, but where in the Bible do you say you can't, uh, can't have abortions? I said, Uh, thou shall not kill. Right. And they were like, Oh, okay. You just want, you just, uh, you support raping, uh, women, don't you? No. And I'm like, How on not. earth does that follow? We, How on earth does that follow? I'm not even going to, I don't even respond to those kind of arguments because it's not in good faith. Two wrongs they don't have, make a right. The ends don't absurd. justify the means. It's, absolutely absurd because you just don't even respond to that kind of argument here's the other thing too that really gets me is like the issue of communion to uh pro-abortion catholic politicians who are obstinate in their position against church teaching we stop holding on to your political parties stop being either democrat or republican stop you're be catholic just be catholic let the chips fall where they may. If what we believe as Catholic tends to be more conservative, that is not our fault. It is what it is. If some of our beliefs tend to be more liberal even, it's not our fault. Let the chips fall where they may. Life begins at conception. The ending of the life for any selfish reason whatsoever would be immoral and wrong, period. And as St. Paul says in Scripture, which is another reason probably why you want to reject sacred Scripture, is that going to communion in a state of mortal sin would be damning to your soul. Boy, would we not want people to increase and multiply their mortal sins by compounding that. And St. Paul says it becomes not the bread of life, but the bread of death. So it is an act of charity, that we would call out politicians who keep pro-abortion positions. A charity, an act of charity for their soul. Because heaven and hell are real and eternal. You're going to rise again. And some will go to heaven and most won't. And that is real. And we got to pretend as though we believe this stuff at the very minimum, but we ought to believe it, if not on faith, if on reason and sacred scripture and sacred tradition handed on generation after generation from Jesus to the apostles down to our age. That is the Catholic Church. And so if you reject sacred scripture because you pick and choose which to believe and what to believe in order to support your your political party and your agenda politically, well, that's a problem. Where's the charity for souls? Going to communion in a state of mortal sin is damning. Let's act like we care about those other people. Enough to say, hey, you're in grave danger here. Not only are you creating public scandal, encouraging other Catholics to make similar uh, bad choices, mortal sin choices, but also your own soul is in grave risk here. And that is at the heart of this. And so it, it just, again, reading these stories, it makes my eye roll. Now, we have about a minute and a half. We, did, we wanted to get into also whether or not it was proper for masses to be said in honor of George Floyd. And I find that troubling as well. Um, 
Right. So Mass the, is said in honor of people, should be said in honor of saints. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to we get into the weeds with a minute and a half on the, on the clock here. George Floyd, high on fentanyl in the process of committing a crime. I wish he was not dead. I wish none of that had happened and he was alive today. I wish he had an opportunity to, to, uh, to transform his life. And because he was on the downslope and he had gone through a lot and I wish he could have had a, a, a conversion. And I have to entrust his soul to God because there's no else, nothing else we can do. But do you say masses in honor of, I, I don't say a mass in honor of me even. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, this is troubling. Why do we continue to play politics rather than just, just to play Catholic? We have to give up on our, our, our political, uh, we, I'm not just, I'm not a Republican or conservative or liberal or Democrat. I'm Catholic. Let the chips fall where they may. The truth is the truth. The truth is a person. We gotta, we gotta act like this. This is, it's, it's getting to be silly and ridiculous that we play these games. We play woke politics and we act like being the friend of the world is gonna make everything okay. Where are the conversions to prove that? Where are the reversions to prove that? The statistics show people are leaving the church, not flocking to the church. So the more woke we go, the less holy this planet becomes. Let's just be Catholic. Let's just be Catholic. Real quick, uh, going to the Council of Trent, you cannot, we cannot offer masses for people who are not saints because in the masses for the saints, we're not offering sacrifice to them, but to God and imploring their help and their patronage and giving thanks to God for their victories. And so we cannot say mass in honor of people who are not saints. Yay and amen. All right, that is going to do it for the What's Concerning Us section. Coming up after the break, we'll have more breaking news. Uh, and Janelle have another opportunity. Praise be to God for that. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about this men's march to stand up for life in D.C. coming up June 12th. All that coming up next. This is Dale Offwist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that the church needs to keep up with the times? G.K. Chesterton says that all this talk about keeping up with the times has been uttered hundreds of times before. To be up to date, he says, is a paltry ambition, except in an almanac. The church certainly does not need to imitate the secular world. In fact, what does the word secular mean? It does not mean worldly. It does not even mean irreligious. To be secular simply means to be of the age, that is, of the age which is passing, and in the case of anyone trying to keep up with the times, the age that is already past. So what the word secular really means is dated. The church's truth is never out of date, because it is eternal. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to your Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. As the U.S. has seen a rising attack in, uh, I'm sorry, a startling rise in anti-Semitic attacks, let us pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters. 
The latest Siena College poll has revealed that a majority of New Yorkers want to replace Governor Andrew Cuomo. Epic News says that a Texas bill allowing unlicensed carrying of handguns heads to the governor's desk. A Texas bill allowing people to carry handguns without a license headed to the governor's desk on Monday after approval by the state's House of Representatives. Texas is the 21st and largest state to allow the unlicensed carrying of firearms, a concept Second Amendment supporters refer to as constitutional carry. A number of amendments were added to the bill to address concerns brought forth by law enforcement and lawmakers. Those include enhanced penalties for carrying a handgun illegally and for convicted felons caught in possession of a weapon. The bill also levies a five-year prohibition from carrying a weapon for those convicted of certain violent misdemeanors or reckless use of a firearm. Life News says that Joe Biden won't speak at Notre Dame's commencement after 4,300 students signed a petition rejecting him. Joe Biden will not speak at the University of Notre Dame commencement ceremony this spring after thousands of students and alumni have signed a petition protesting his radical pro-abortion views. The Blaze reports that more than 4,500 people signed the petition urging the university president, Reverend John Jenkins, not to invite Biden or give him an honorary degree, as is university tradition. Biden rejects church teachings on abortion, marriage, sex and gender and is hostile to religious liberty, the petition states. He embraces the most pro-abortion and anti-religious liberty public policy program in history. A White House spokesman recently confirmed that the university did invite Biden, but he cannot attend because of a scheduling conflict, the Daily Mail reports. The White House is cautioning Americans on Monday from believing theories that coronavirus leaked from a Chinese lab, urging them to wait for a full international investigation. The Hill says a former FDA chief says that growing circumstantial evidence that COVID could have come out from a lab is actually possibly true. Scott Scott Gottlieb, the former head of the Food and Drug Administration, said Monday that there is growing circumstantial evidence suggesting that COVID-19 may have originated in a lab and not in nature. CNBC Squawk Box co-host Rebecca Quick asked him what he made of a Wall Street Journal article published Sunday that said three employees at the Wuhan Institute of Virology have sought hospital treatment for flu-like symptoms around the same time COVID-19 began to emerge in China. He said that the source of COVID-19 has yet to be identified and noted that the origins of related diseases were usually identified at this point following the initial outbreak. CNN Sorry, CNA says that controversial lacrosse priest says that he will challenge Bishop's request to resign. Father James Altman, a controversial priest from the Diocese of Lacrosse who published a viral video statement last year that Catholics cannot be Democrats, said on Sunday that his bishop has asked him to resign as pastor. Father Altman said his canon lawyer asked the diocese to justify the request for resignation, as well as a review of his file at the chancery. He said that he is contesting the request. And those are your morning headlines. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janelle, for reading the news for us this morning. Uh, before we jump into our co- our conversation real quick, I just want to thank uh, gloryandshine.com, gloryandshine.com for generously underwriting and sponsoring Catholic Drive Time, making it possible for us to do what we do here. Uh, they make, they're a family-owned company, Catholic, beautiful company uh, that make uh, personal care products, soaps, lotions, beard care products that I use. Um, gloryandshine.com, thank you so much for your 
generous support. Joining us right now via Zoom chat from LifeMinistriesUS.org is Father Stephen Imbrato. Good morning to you, Father. Hey, it's good to be with you. Yeah, praise be to God. It is uh, good to have you on our program. Um, there is a men's march coming up. There's a hot debate. We were talking about this in the last segment uh, going on within the church in a public sphere today uh, about the need to stand up for life, the Catholic teaching on the dignity of the human person at conception. Um, you are trying to get a groundswell of men, a Catholic men, to take a stand in here. Tell us about this. Yeah, let me give you a little background. I, I met Jim Havens, who uh, also works for Station of the Cross Radio. We've been co-hosting actually a, a couple of radio shows over the last year, and uh, I met him years ago, and we realized we're very like-minded in terms of the abortion issue, that really this is government-sanctioned, government-protected, government-funded, daily mass murder of pre-born children, a constitutional crisis. And we've both been involved in the aspects of our spirituality as men. I actually, as a priest, I'm a great-grandpa priest. I have experienced in my life five aspects of fatherhood. Jim, of course, is a husband and a father of five children. So we've been on our radio show, The Simple Truth, uh, been discussing in various respects uh, the whole issue of Rise Up Men. And Jim, out of the blue, a couple of weeks ago, just said, Father, I feel moved by the Holy Spirit to do a men's march in Washington, D.C. So I'm thinking immediately, hey, uh, we can probably put something together for October in the fall. Uh, I've done a lot, a lot of ministry, a lot of activism. I've been actually arrested for trying to save babies in Washington, D.C. five times as part of Red Rose Rescues. And he called, and I said, so we decided to pray for, pray about it, pray uh, and ask what the Holy Spirit wanted us to do. He called me back a couple of days. He says, I feel strongly that we want to do it, that I want to do it in June. So we decided wow. to feast of the Immaculate, feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary in the year of St. Joseph. Uh, so we had about five weeks to put this together. Uh, but the Men's March simply, we hope, is going to be a seed that is planted that will turn into a men's movement that will unite and energize all the men's organizations, men's ministry, men's groups all over the country. We know that there are many, many men doing many, many good things, uh, but it's time, I think, for us to get organized and energized, focus on this particular issue, protecting women who are wounded by abortion, uh, protecting women to make sure they're not wounded by abortion, then, of course, uh, protecting our little brothers and sisters in the womb to ensure that they uh, can live, have the right. I mean, they're the only ex excluded uh, constitutional class in the entire country, uh, and uh, from the moment of conception to the moment of, uh, of birth, and uh, and it needs to stop. And so uh, I said, all right, I'm on board. I'll go with it. And so uh, here we are. You go to themensmarch.com, themensmarch.com. We're hoping all men register. We're actually hoping the ladies, the ladies uh, register. If the men are procrastinating and not registered, we're hoping that the, the ladies, uh, wives and mothers, uh, uh, girlfriends go online to the men's march and register their men for them 
and then they'll start getting updates. But we'd like everybody to come to Washington, D.C. on the Feast of the Immaculate Heart. We're going we're gonna to march from Cesar Sant'Angelo's Surgery Clinic, which is an abortion facility that I've been arrested three times uh, going into to try and save babies from uh, abortion. And then we're going to process to someplace around the White House. Now, uh, we haven't finalized the exact uh, final destination, but it's going to be from 11 to 2 o'clock on, uh, uh, on June 12th in Washington, D.C. An easy day trip for anybody that's really within four hours driving time of D.C. Jim's flying in on Friday, flying in out Saturday night from Florida. Uh, I will be there because I, I spent a lot of time in D.C. doing ministry. But men, this is uh, really a small sacrifice you can make. It's a small next step in the ministry that you're doing, that you may be doing. And I hope you really pray to join us in Washington, D.C. Again, go to themensmarch.com. Father Stephen Imbrato is our guest, and we are talking about the Men's March that's coming up, and the website, again, is themensmarch.com, themensmarch.com. Now, Father, I'm post-abortive. I took a girl to an abortion clinic back in 1994 when I was in the Marine Corps, and unfortunately, too often, uh, there it's always a guy bringing these girls, giving them the only choice. Uh, he's they're only present. I only presented that girl with one choice, and that was abortion. I didn't give her any other options. Um this is at the heart of why men need to stand up, huh? I mean, like, we act like men don't have a voice here, or, or the society wants to tell us men can't speak on this issue uh, because we're, we aren't women. But in fact, men must stand and speak on this issue, shouldn't they? Well, I'm post abortive too, Joe. Decades before I became a priest, uh, I was living with my Eve away from the church, away from the sacraments, and I did the same thing. I encouraged, I didn't go with her, but I surely encouraged her to get an abortion. She, I, I call it Adam to Eve, right? She was my Eve. Uh, I did not stand up for her and for my baby. She went and had the abortion. I found out decades later when I looked her up to apologize, I was in the seminary at that point in time uh, that it was actually twins. So, yes, mm. but you're absolutely right. A- actually, every single abortion involves a man. And so it is time for the men to stand up. I mean, what I was involved with is what I call the Adam and Eve scenario. There's too, too many Eves out there. There's a lot of silent Adams who uh, have been either affected by abortion or even are responsible for abortion. And it's time for men to stand up, protect our women, protect our babies, because regardless of whether you're a natural father or a spiritual father, we are called to do exactly that. Hold that thought. Father Stephen Brado is our guest. We're talking about the Men's March coming up June 12th in Washington, D.C. Sign up on the website. Get registered. Get At least get on their email list. TheMensMarch.com. TheMensMarch.com. After the short break, we'll be right back with more conversation on why men need to stand up. Now is the time. We'll be right back. Have a drive time headed your way. St. Benedict says, prayer is essential, period. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. In the rule of St. Benedict, he gives detailed instructions for Benedictine communities to come together several times each day to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. By contrast, his teaching on private prayer for monks is very simple. He advises that when a monk is moved to pray, he should do so privately with heartfelt devotion. 
No matter where you live, it's important to set aside a specific time to pray each day. You can pray together with family or your church community, or simply pray alone. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com Prayer should always be one of our priorities. A serious and focused effort to pray will lead us to true devotion of the heart. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Be the Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is good to be on with you. Father Stephen Imbrato is our guest. He is the founder and director of LifeMinistriesUS.org and co-founder of a men's march coming up June 12th in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's going to be about two and a half hour long uh, event, 11 a.m. starting Eastern Time, gathering outside of Washington's uh, Surgery Clinic. It's an abortion center. And then moving over to someplace near the White House uh, to continue the protest, a peaceful protest, mind you. But I would encourage everyone to get signed up over at themensmarch.com. That's themensmarch.com. Father Stephen Abrado, welcome back to the program. Uh, before we went to break, we were talking about the need for men to stand up. You know, um, Father Altman's in the news, of course. Uh, he His bishop mm-hmm. has asked him to to resign from his his. Uh, Position as pastor at St. James there in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I've been to that parish. It's a beautiful church, by the way. Really, really beautiful church. I spoke at the La Crosse uh, Men's Conference a few years ago and had the opportunity to spend time there. I've interviewed Father Altman before in the past. Um, this is a guy who speaks up, let's just say bluntly, but nonetheless speaks up. And Father, in a day and an age where Catholic politicians are allowed to say whatever they want and almost with impunity, um, when Catholic faithful stand up and say, "We this needs to be done, the church teaches otherwise, where is our spine? We get nothing but pushback and potential punishments. What do you say to that, Father Stephen and Brother? I posted on my social media the other day that that's uh, just the actually the last in a long line of scandals by the USCCB, by the U.S. bishops, right, that you have Biden, who is an apostate in my uh, in my opinion, and uh, defies his Catholic faith in so, so many ways. He goes unchastised, unpunished, and uh, we debate over this. And then, of course, you know, Father Altman, a priest who stands up for the truth. And uh, and I want to thank him so much. Um, I, uh, I know that he has the inner strength, the spiritual strength to deal with this. I know that he has bishop friends. I know that he has a canon lawyer, and I know that uh, the Catholic faith are going to provide the resources. But I want to thank him because, not just for standing up for the truth week in and week out, because there are so many priests doing that that don't get the recognition. But what he's doing for all priests is saying, no more, basta, 
right? You cannot suppress us from merely speaking the truth. This is a huge violation of canon law, and it's time that somebody stand up. Now, I mean, I'm pretty vocal against the bishops, and uh, I, I'm in the Archdiocese of Santa Fe, retired, so I think they ignore that I exist, right? They just, <laughs> well, he doesn't even exist. Uh, uh, but, I, I, I mean, I would do the same thing. There's no way you can suppress a priest for speaking the truth. I, I loved in his homily on Sunday where he said, well, well, my bishop says that I'm divisive, and uh, I am ineffective. And then he went through the whole list of what's happened in his parish for the last year, laying, laying out the case. And, and then divisive, he makes the case, and he's absolutely true. Uh, and I, I actually, uh, Judy Brown of American Life Lead used a quote that I had about the fact that the, the Eucharist always unites. What divides, of course, is heresy and letting heretics and heresy run unabated. Sin divides, right? Obedience unites. And so he's absolutely right. I think they have uh, everything lined up, and um, I, I don't think he should resign. I don't think he will resign. And I think that we need to stand behind him because he's really standing behind or standing up for every single priest including the priests who have, who have voluntarily allowed themselves to be silent because they're afraid of their bishop. So a lot on the line here. We need to pray and fast for Father Altman. Father Stephen Umbrado is our guest, and he is uh, with the, the Men's March, themensmarch.com. Uh, men from all over the country will be gathering on June 12th to pray and to protest peacefully. Uh, the, the need to stand up and have a clear, unified voice that life begins at conception, and Catholic men are tired of seeing this issue uh, go unabated, go uh, unchecked, and it's time for Catholic men to gather. The TheMensMarch.com is the website. Now, Father, I'm curious. You've had so much to do with the pro-life movement over the past few decades. Red Rose Rescue, obviously, you, were, you mentioned that earlier. Uh, I know that you spent some time working with Priests for Life. How do you see the pro-life movement now? What is the status of the pro-life movement? I know the Supreme Court's about ready to hear a case that could potentially uh, uh, reverse Roe v. Wade. I'm not, I don't, I don't know that I believe that they will, but uh, how do you see the pro-life mo- movement in all of these decades of, of effort to reverse this atrocity? I think there's some severe problems with the corporate mainstream pro-life movement. There has been for years. Our Lord in three and a half years gave me a glimpse of it. I was on the inside and I was appalled at what I saw. Too focused on raising money, too focused on celebrity image. Uh, Right now, the pro-life movement is decentralized where it should be. It is in front of the abortion mills, frontline workers who day in and day out strive to save babies, close abortion mills, and then uh, conservative states who uh, are working hard to pass legislation that we hope will uh, uh, eventually not overturn Roe versus Wade. I'm not interested in overturning Roe versus Wade. I want to render Roe moot. And I think that the most important part of this Mississippi legislation is that it's going to give us an opportunity because I don't think it's going to overturn Roe versus Wade. It may give states a little more power to restrict abortion. Uh, it may further entrench a Roe. Who knows if it goes against us? But it's going to give us, and this is what's important, it's going to give us a true indication of where Barrett, Court Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh are. 
And if they are in the right place, then you're going to see even more stricter, powerful legislation coming out of the states and being and going to the Supreme Court. This is the test to find out whether indeed they are constitutionally on board with ending abortion. See, I think babies are constitutional persons from the moment of conception. Plenty of case law science is on our side. The national corporate pro-life movement is not discussing, has never discussed decisive strategies to end pre-born child killing. They're into overly cautious incrementalism. It hasn't worked for 50 years. It's not going to work. Incrementalism is something that, okay, at the state level, fine. But you see that the, and again, I have a whole paradigm. If people want to go to my website, protestchildkilling.com, they can check out all the videos that I've made about this. But uh, we, we need to focus on decisive strategies to end preborn child killing, eliminate the excluded class of unborn babies, give them constitutional protection. And the national corporate pro-life movement has no interest in doing that. And so that's why the front lines are in each and every red state pro-life state and uh, in front of the abortion bills. Uh, Father, so I had a question in regards to a common argument I hear. And I want like, how do you respond as soon as you get this argument, it shuts down conversation. I know you talked about why men need to be involved in the pro-life movement, but often I'll hear, and I got this response a couple of days ago, a friend of mine uh, posted on social media that she was like, oh, this is horrible that uh, Texas has uh, passed a heartbeat law. And so I responded to her and she said, uh, she said, quote, I'm not reading your response. I won't argue with a man about abortions. Have a great day. How how does one respond to this kind of argument? It's a weak argument, but it shuts down conversation. Why are we debating with the pro-aborts? I I don't get this. Abortion is not debatable. Uh, You wouldn't. uh, Why are we having a debate with evil? It's kind of like when, you know, Lucifer uh, rebelled against God and uh, God said, hey, let's sit down and talk about this. He said, no, (laughs) Michael, get rid of them. This is nonsense that we're debating this stuff, right? I think the single answer everyone on our side of this issue should have to any pro-abort, all right, that, that thinks it's okay to kill babies is exactly that. I'm sorry, but you think it's okay to mass murder little pre-born babies, little defenseless babies. And I'm sorry, you have no moral authority to even enter into a discussion with me. That's it. I am not interested in changing the hearts and minds of America before we end the daily mass murder of pre-born children. I'm all of the mind that peacefully and prayerfully we need to exert our will over them and bring this to a decisive end. That's what they did. The LBGTQ, what did they do? They exerted their will over us. And then they changed public opinion. Now, I, I got a completely different mindset than probably anybody else when it comes to that. No, I agree completely, Father. That is absolutely amazing because I, I agree that we have basically given up everything. We said we have to uh, convince everyone before we actually do the right thing, which is absurd. We don't see any of the saints uh, doing this, doing that, exactly that. Instead, we have to do the right thing and then face the consequences. Uh, and so how do we, as the people like down here on the day-to-day things, we're uh, interacting with people day-to-day. How do we engage in this? Because we have to engage with people at some point. One minute to go. 
I just really think it's it's a matter just standing up and speaking the truth. This is government sanctioned, government sponsored, government uh, uh, funded with our tax dollars. Daily mass murder of preborn children. Let's stick on the issue. Human life begins at conception, and abortion is murder. And if you have a problem with murder, go to 58 and Evangelion Vitae with a Holy Father, St. John Paul II, an infallible document calls abortion murder. All mm-hmm. right, and that's it. Let's keep it simple. Let's keep it to the facts, all right, and let the facts, like you said, the truth will stand for itself. All right. Praise be to God. We're just about out of time right now. Uh, the, the men's march is coming up. Men from all over the country are encouraged to to go. So wives, sign up your, your husbands, your sons, your grandsons. There could be a great opportunity here. Go to themensmarch.com, themensmarch.com. Help us spread the word about the events coming up June 12th in Washington, D.C. And uh, you know what? I mean, if you're living in the Northeast, you're just a train ride away from being there, actually. So opportunities for lots of men to come and stand to make a witness, a public unified voice, the right to life. Father uh, Stephen Ambrado, thank you for being on our show today and for your thank witness. Thank you, guys. Yeah, the website is themensmarch.com, themensmarch.com. God bless you, Father. Have a great day. And that is going to do it for hour number one of the Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the second hour, we're going to have a lot of fun. The game show is on the deck and prizes are at stake and you could win all that plus a lot more Catholic Drive Time. Otherwise, we'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him? Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says, And I will put my spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the Old Covenant was preparing us for what He gives us in the New Covenant? Acts 22.16, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. 1 Peter 3.21, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Scripture simply does not support the non-Catholic notion that baptism is symbolic. Scripture does, however, very clearly and directly support the Catholic teaching that baptism saves us, that baptism makes us members of the body of Christ, that baptism washes away sin, and that through baptism we receive the Holy Spirit just as the church teaches. 
a beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Just wrapped up a great hour. Father Stephen Imbrato, the protest priest, as he's affectionately called, was our guest. We'll be posting that conversation later today on our social media platforms like YouTube and Facebook and Rumble and, and other places. You can find all of those details, by the way, on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Um, by the way, that's also where you can sign up to our email list and find our sponsor information as well as watch live. You can watch it live right now, right on our website, and and you can find the game show, the Fear and Trembling Game Show rules and phone number in case you want to call early. It's all right there on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. You got uh, two news breaks down. You got one more to go. How do you feel about that? Um, I, I feel less nervous. Um, it's, it's still a work in progress, and I hope to improve uh, quickly with time. Who knew that reading the news was as hard as it is? Oh, it's so hard. It is. It's like at first you're like, just I'm just reading I words. How hard could this be? Oh, yeah. And then like, you know, names are tossed in there, and like they're, they're all consonants and no vowels, and you're like, how and do you like, say that word? I in don't different languages. It. and yeah. oh. Yes, yes, exactly. And all of a sudden your brain just doesn't want to work. Yes, yes, I know yes. the feeling. I've been there. I've done that. Speaking of which, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Mr. Fonseca. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. And uh, I love pronouncing uh, obscure names. It's very, <laughs> it's the most fun thing ever. Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a real uh, hoot and holler. You know, I, yeah, saying people's names, people deserve to have their names said correctly. For whatever reason, I was never gifted with the ability to say people's names correctly. I don't know why. But uh, opportunity of penance, I suppose. So anyway, we're going to have the uh, breaking news and stories coming up here in a moment. But it's all kind of good news this hour. So praise God for that. And then we're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, a little reflection prayerfully. And then we will play our Fear and Trembling game show. So that is coming up today. And our sponsor this week is apodandherpeas.com, apodandherpeas.com. Andrea has generously donated two of these beautifully crafted uh, high-end uh, rosary pouches, and we're going to be giving them away on Friday. So there's two of them. The Coffee Cup of Divine Providence is sitting on the counter over there, and there will be three more chances to get in on that prize. All you have to do is be our contestant on the phone when we give out the number 
or just go to the website and see it for yourself. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, seeing some weird comments coming through. Hoot and holler, Lori. I'm not even sure what you're, what you're no, referring to. No, she's referring to the fact that I said uh, it's a hoot and a holler. A hoot and a holler. You yeah. know, I guess it's a, it's a Houston thing, Texas thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. know. Praise I be to know. God. Speaking of which, comments, the second half of this hour is our after show where we conversate with you, the audience. You get to drive the conversation, and it's a lot of fun, actually. It's very casual and uh, very interactive. So whatever you want to talk about, that will be our agenda in the second half of this hour during the after show. So please tune in if you are able to do that. All right, so let's begin with a prayer. Whatever's on your heart, whatever your intentions are, we are, of course, including those. You're able to comment if you're watching us live video, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or on our webpage, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can comment there, but your guardian angel knows what your intentions are as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Janelle. The Catholic News Service reports that Catholic Palestinian has received a kidney transplant from a slain Jewish Israeli. In mid-May, a donor was found for the 58-year-old mother of six, a Catholic Palestinian who lives in Jerusalem. The circumstances were unusually painful because the donor, Yigal Yehoshua, a 56-year-old Jewish-Israeli man from a mixed city of Lod who worked for tolerance and coexistence, was stoned to death by an Arab mob during violence by both Jews and Arabs in the city in mid-May. Arab and Jewish gangs rioted in mixed cities throughout Israel following the May 10 outbreak of violence between Israel and Hamas. The tragedy that the possibility of her transplant came out during one of the most violent exchanges in years between Palestinians and Israelis is not lost in her, she noted. Owais said that she hopes her story can be a bridge for peace and, despite still recuperating from the operation, she has been eager to speak out against her about her transplant. From Israeli National News, a five-year-old was saved by his father from a cable car incident in Italy. The La Stampa Italian newspaper reported Monday that the five-year-old boy, who was the only survivor of the cable car disaster in Italy, was saved by his father. According to the report, Amit Biron noticed the snapping of the tow rope and pulled his son Ethan close, holding him tightly and partly shielding him from the force of the impact. As a result, Eaton's injuries were not as serious as those of the other 14 passengers who all perished in the accident. Despite this, Eaton remains in serious condition at Regina Margarita Children's Hospital in Turin and will remain in the ICU for the next 48 hours. From the National Register, Pope Francis hints at imminent changes in the Roman Curia. Multiple sources have told CNN that Pope Francis told the Italian bishops that there will soon be a new prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship and that the appointment might come out as early as May 25th. Pope Francis met the Italian bishops as they are gathering in their 74th General Assembly. Pope Francis delivered an opening address to the Assembly and later held an open discussion with the bishops. And those are your morning news. 
Saint Cristobal Magianes Yara, pray for us. Saint Cristobal was born on July 30th, 1869, in La Cementera, Jalisco, Mexico. He was born to a family, uh, to a farm family, and worked as a shepherd in his youth. He entered seminary at the age of 19 and served as a parish priest in Mexico. He helped found schools, a newspaper, catechism centers for children and adults, carpentry shops, and an electric plant to power the mills. He worked with the indigenous people to farm to form agrarian cooperatives with the townspeople and had and was noted for his great devotion to Our Lady. When the anti-church government closed all seminaries, that would be the Freemasons, Father Cristobal gathered displaced seminarians and started his own seminary. It was quickly suppressed. He formed another, and then another. And when they were all closed, the seminarians conducted classes in private homes. He wrote and preached against the armed rebellion, but was falsely accused of promoting the Cristero guerrilla revolt. He was arrested on the 21st of May, 1927, while en route to celebrate mass at a farm. In prison, he gave away his few remaining possessions to his executioners. He gave them absolution, and without a trial, he was martyred with St. Augustine Calaco. He was shot on the 25th of May, 1927, in Colotlan, Jalisco, Mexico. He was canonized on the May 21st, 2000, by Pope John Paul II during the Jubilee of Mexico. St. Cristobal Magianes, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 31. Peter began to say to Jesus, We have given up everything and followed you. Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, There is no one who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many that are first will be last and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. St. Bede uh, had this to say about the last shall be first, and I think it's uh, very, very on point here. He says, quote, All who have despised temporal things for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, through undoubting faith, taste the joy of the same, same kingdom in this life which is full of persecutions. And in the ex expectation of the heavenly country, which is signified by the right hand, have a share in the happiness of all the elect. It goes back to what he said, what I was saying last hour, you know, we must prefer the glory of God to the things of this world, no matter what they may be, people or things, God first, heaven first, and then all else. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, this reminds me a lot of the fathers of the church and the mothers of the church, those who lived in the first few centuries after Christ. Many of them were martyred, and we see families being martyred. And there's a great story of a saint who was a woman who had several kids, and their whole family was arrested and were asked to pinch incense to the emperor. And, to, and when they were put to death, the father and the children apostatized, and they told the mother to reject the faith. And that if she just rejected the faith, they could come home to their to her husband and to her children. 
and she refused, and she had rather die. If she'd rather die than have, than have rejected our Lord. And so too we see in the, uh, in second Maccabees, we see that in the Maccabean war, the mother encouraging the children, do not eat pork. Do not reject God. Instead, die. Die rather than sin. We see King Saint Louis the ninth, his mother telling him death rather than mortal sin. So, so many of the great saints have understood this, that we must, and our Lord says as much on a different passage, that we must hate father and mother and uh, brother and sister. We must hate them if we want to enter into heaven. And what does our Lord mean by this? Well, he doesn't mean that we should have contempt for them and, and desire their damnation. No, instead, if our father and mother, brother and sister, husband or wife has causing us to sin, is leading us on the wrong path then we should not follow them. We should not uh, be in communion with them. And so I think that's very important that we keep in mind that our Lord did call us to radical conversion. He did ask us to do crazy things that seem to be un, uh, to seem not to make sense to us. But our Lord here, he, he tells us what's going on. He says, who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. And so our Lord understands this. We're going to end up like Job if we follow our Lord, if we end up listening to our Lord and rejecting those who reject him and being in communion with our Lord, we will receive the great gift that we were, that Job received because Job was taken everything. Everything was taken from him. His, his wife, his children, his good health, everything was taken from him, his house, his property. And how did he respond? Instead of rejecting our Lord, he accepted it because he understood that God's judgments are above his judgments and that we deserve none of it. No matter what kind of good man that we are, whether we are just or not, we deserve none of it. But our Lord being infinitely just will give us tenfold in the kingdom to come. And Job received it in this life and we will receive it in the next if we follow our Lord to the end and follow our Lord to our death. I think that's the, uh, the important thing to take away from uh, the passage today. Amen. Praise be to God. There's some good meat there, good meat on the bone. So let's uh, meditate upon that today. But what's coming up next is the Catholic Trivia Game Show just on the other side of this break. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Essentially, you call in, you get to be the contestant, especially if you've never played before, if you've never had an opportunity, call right now, get in early and uh, secure your spot. If you haven't played in, let's say, a month, you're welcome to call back. The phone number is 877-757-9424. But don't fret. You don't even need to know the answers to this, these questions because uh, we don't ask you the questions we ask. Today we'll ask Janelle, we'll ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. So the caller will just have to guess. I mean, and they could still win. It's happened many times. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. 
because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anyone what I am about to tell you. Okay, keep this just between us. But there's a few things we like to do during the trivia game show. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we uh, we have these sneaky little questions that create teachable moments, and you always tend to learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith. And number two, uh, we have great contestants that have a laugh with us. They're 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 fun. They're good sports about it. So we get we get some laughs in, and that's cool. And then of course we give out prizes, and it's always a good time to give out stuff. So it's kind of a win-win-win for everybody involved, but here's the kicker. I don't ask the caller the questions. I don't. I ask Janelle, and I ask Adrian. One of them will be right, and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do they trust more. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Now, this week's prize is generously sponsored and underwritten by apodandherpees.com. Apodandherpees.com. Andrea has generously decided to give us two very high-end, very well-made uh, rosary pouches. These are really, really nice. These, this is not the cheap stuff. This is the really nice stuff. We're giving out two of them. Beautiful Catholic artwork, uh, very robustly made in order to, uh, to keep your rosary nice and safe in your pocket. And that will be given out on Friday. So we'll pull all the names into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. We'll shake it up. We'll pull a name on Friday and announce that live on the air. And then apodandherpees.com will be mailing directly to the winner the prize. So praise be to God for that. All right. So let's go to the phones. That is how the game is played. And we're thankful for everyone who called in today. Uh, God bless you. God love you. Call in tomorrow if you don't get on today. There's another chance tomorrow. But let's go over to uh, Bridget. Good morning. 
morning. Thanks for calling in today. Good morning. Praise be to God, Bridget. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. I think it's the only the second call ever on Fear and Trembling for uh, from Birmingham. So. Well, I listen to call every morning, so I definitely know the game. Praise be to God, Bridget. Now, Birmingham is such a a, a quaint and beautiful, uh, picturesque town. Where do you go to church there? I go to Our Lady of the Valley. Ooh, very nice. Our Lady of the Valley. Now, um, so you've listened before. You know how the game is played. You know how tricky Adrian and now Janelle can be. Uh, so you're prepared to listen carefully, I take it, but realize I, however, am on your side completely. I am your advocate in no. this game. Okay. <laughs> I don't think she's convinced. I, she sounded totally confident in that, I would say. I totally, I sold it, I'm telling you. Okay, uh, Bridget, let's play. We're going to have a little fun today. I think you'll do just fine. Today is uh, All Easy Question Tuesday, I would say. All Easy <laughs> Question Tuesday. Are you ready to play, Bridget? I'm ready. All right. God is so very good. Janelle, uh, we will start with you. Are you ready to go? Yes, sir, I am. Are you sure? Yes. Are, are, you, are you sure? Are you sure? Um, wow. Nobody's <laughs> ever asked me if I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Okay. Here we go. Janelle, can you tell me? Sterilization is a sin against which of the Ten Commandments? Hmm. Sterilization. Hmm. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. within my deepest soul that it is against the fifth commandment. Thou okay. shall not kill. Oh, okay, okay. Let's see it what, makes sense to me. It does, yeah. It seems reasonable. Let's see what Mr. Adrian Fonseca has to say here. Adrian, can you tell me sterilization is a sin against which commandment? Well, if Janelle was feeling with the deepest part of her soul, I'm feeling with like the shallowest part of my soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to say... Mm-hmm. It's a sin against the fourth commandment. Honor thy father and mother. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Adrian is on the hook for the fourth commandment. And Emily is on the hook. Or rather, Janelle. Janelle, forgive me, is on the hook for the fifth commandment. Fifth commandment being you shall not kill. Fourth commandment being honor your father and mother. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's confused? Bridget, what say you? I'm not confused. Janelle is definitely right. Survey says, congratulations. Well done. Now, you know what would have been tricky? What would have been really tricky is if we had said, uh, according to either the Protestant version of the Ten Commandments or the Catholic version, because they're not numbered the same. That would have been tricky. That would have been very tricky. In the Protestant version, uh, it would have been commandment number six. And then in the Catholic version, it's commandment number five. And Adrian, why would there be a difference? Do you know? You got about a half a second. Yeah, the main reason is because the Ten Commandments are listed more than once in uh, Exodus, and they just take the other one. Yeah, there you go. Well, anyway, thou shalt not kill. That is why sterilization is a sin against that commandment. Well done, Bridget. You, you, you nailed that. That was fairly easy, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that was an easy one. Yeah, see, it's all easy question Tuesday. Well done. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence. So you could already win this game. And I think this next one, yeah, I'm going to say this next one's a pretty easy one. We'll have to see how it goes. (laughs) Adrian, why are you laughing at me, man? This is easy. Here we go. Adrian, can you tell me? What 12 items were placed before the Holy of Holies in the Temple of Jerusalem on a gold-laden table nonetheless? Hmm. 
You know, I'm gonna go. I was thinking about the King Melchizedek and the Prophet Melchizedek, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how he would offer bread. So I'm gonna say the twelve tribes of Israel offer twelve loaves of bread in the Holy of Holies in the Temple of Jerusalem. Okay, okay. Let's see what uh, Miss Janelle has to say about all of this. Okay, so the Holy of Holies, twelve items. Mm-hmm. I'm legit sure that it is twelve candles for the twelve tribes of Israel. Twelve yes, candles. Yes, twelve candles. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Adrian is on the hook for twelve loaves of bread, and Emily is on the hook for. Janelle. That's twice in the same game. Janelle is on. Excuse me. Pardon me. I. I Beg pardon. Janelle is on the hook for 12 candles. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Bridget, what say you? It's a total guess. I'm guessing Janelle. You're going with the candles? Yes, sir. Survey says... Oh! I'm sorry. I failed you, Bridget. Sorry. See, uh, Janelle is equally as tricky as Emily was, and that's why I was confused. But she threw you for a loop. She threw a curveball. I'm so sorry. In fact, it is, in fact, the 12 loaves of bread. And this is fascinating because uh, this is the, the, the bread of the face of God is the literal English translation of their Hebrew name. And they were on a golden table before the Holy of Holies. So inside the room, right in front of the most holy part of the temple. And one time a year when all the men gathered in Jerusalem, the priests would bring this table outside in front of all the men. And hold it up and say, "Behold, God's love for you," and uh, and then they would bring it back in, and they would, the priest would eat that bread every single week. It was considered holy. It was a pre-type of the Holy Eucharist. So, uh, yeah, easy question Tuesday, right? Easy, totally easy <laughs> question Tuesday. But uh, don't fret, uh, Bridget. You get one more chance. And let me just look at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a super easy question here. So this you'll you'll finish strong, Bridget. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. <laughs> I, I hear the confidence in your voice. So this is going to be good. Uh, Janelle, we're back with you this time. Janelle, can you tell me? What is the name of the large, very tall candle that is blessed and lit on the vigil of Easter, symbolizing the risen Christ? So... The big candle. The big candle, right? The, the big one. The tall the big one. one. What do we call that? Oh, probably not the big one. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, Jesus is called the Paschal Lamb. So I'm going to mm. go with the Paschal Candle. The Paschal Candle. Yes. Seems reasonable. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, what do we call the name? What is the name of the very large, tall candle that is blessed and lit on the vigil of Easter? Symbolizing the risen Christ. Uh huh. Uh huh. That would be the trichero. The, the I'm sorry. One more time. The trichero. The trichero. Mm-hmm. Or cherio. Um, However you want to pronounce it. Is so it's either or. I get to choose. It doesn't matter. It's okay. the same word. T r t r i c e r e o. Cherio. Okay. So Adrian is on the hook for the trichero. And Emily, or Janelle is on, I'm going to get it right eventually. Janelle is on the hook for Pascal Candle. Bridget, 15 seconds on the clock. What say you? I'm going with Janelle again. You're going to go with who? Jan- Janelle. You're going to go with Janelle. That's good. Good choice. Survey says, praise be to God, we got through it. 
<laughs> in fact, it is the uh, Pascal candle. Well done, Bridget. You didn't fall for the tri cheddo. Is that like a, yeah, a latte the, with a half twist? That of, sounds like it's, a, it's a Italian or something or other? No, it's it's a three candles that's used during uh, Holy Week and the Old Rite. Oh. Did you know that, Bridget? Were you aware of that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I think I was the only one that knew that <laughs> Bridget you did great You got two out of the three correct You're in the coffee cup of divine providence uh, You could possibly win this week's prize You'll have to tune in on Friday But you did pretty good Only one okay tricky question in there But not bad how do you feel I feel great <laughs> God you ought to feel great <laughs> now, are you a, uh, okay, a truth and honesty, uh, what football team do you follow? Are you like a uh, Warhawk fan, or how do you how do you play? Or Eagle, and yes, I am an Auburn fan, despite the, you know, grandeur that uh, Alabama gets um, with all the media attention. I love Auburn. They're a very family-based school. It's really a beautiful place. All right. Well, praise be to God. It's always very divisive there in Alabama over football, so it's good to know where one stands. Bridget, God love you. We're going to put you on hold and grab your phone number. In case it's God's will, you should win. But have a great day. Thank you for playing. Thank you for having a laugh with us. We're grateful to you. All right. That is to do it for the radio side of our program. Praise be to God. Thank you for joining us. We survived it. Coming up next is what we call the after show, where we get to let our hair down. Some of us have more hair than others and conversate casually about whatever is on your mind. You get to drive the conversation as the as the audience. And you can do that online, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If you're going to go to Mass, please keep us in your prayers and be grateful to you. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here, 6 a.m. Central. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. What do you mean that's not an easy question, Christopher Chance? Of course it was an easy question. That was a hard question, Joe. <laughs> Welcome to the after show, where we will uh, ruthlessly make fun of Joe's ability to remember Janelle's name. I and, won't uh, make fun of you. It's and fine. point out all the easiest possible trivia questions we can throw at our listeners. <laughs> Anyway, we are going to conversate about whatever it is you want to conversate. You can just comment and uh, and leave. And Mr. Let us Thomas is back. What which you is want nice to talk to see. about? Yeah, praise God. My brain has apparently shut off. It is no longer functioning, so I can't promise you that anything that comes out will be of of any value. But we're going to try it anyway. Jeff's son Dominic uh, has asked that we play the Alleluia. So um, for anybody who's new, this is an Alleluia for Dominic. And hopefully we'll get it played a second time for anybody new. Praise be yes. to God. Amen. I Thank love you, Hallelujah. Uh, Jeff, whenever Praise Christmas rolls around again, you should take your kids to go see Handel's Messiah. It's so beautiful. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Genevieve. Uh, why did I say Emily's name three times? Because my brain stopped working. <laughs> because it was shutting off and didn't want to cooperate. And so, uh, you know, it just that's what happens when you get old and you wake up at 3 a.m., 
the brain and the mouth, they don't want to, they don't want to, like, like siblings, right? Like, you know how siblings don't like get along all that well sometimes and a lot of bakering and fighting go on. That's how my brain and my mouth are at this time in the morning. I'm, I'm thinking it's more just an old person thing because, you know, that's what I just uh, said, you know, I how just when, said that. no, you said it's an early morning. thing. I said that's what happens when old people get out of bed at 3 a.m. Yeah, I think it's just an old person thing. I had nothing to do with, with the 3 a.m. thing. Well, old people, <laughs> I had my aunt one time oh, told me she called, uh, she's trying to get my attention and she called me. All of my female siblings and cousins' names first. <laughs> yes, then exactly. went through all of my. Uh, then oh, went through all of my yes. brothers and my That's brother right. and male cousins' That's names. Right. Yes, and then uh, yes. went through the dog's name. Preach, preach, brother. Finally, yes, got to my name. Preach it. You know, I never thought that would happen to me. To be honest with you, until I had six kids, and now I have two grandkids as well, and dogs and cats and everything else. And my poor son Daniel Jude, his older brother's name is John Paul. So, and his younger brother's name is Colby Thomas. So, poor Danny, uh, he gets called Janie way too often. And just the other day. That's awkward. Yes. Because <laughs> I start with John Paul and end with Danny. And it just gets worse from there. And then, uh, you know, now the other day I, re- I, re- I realized I was calling for Daniel and I started calling Colby first. Col- Clanny or something. It was something like that came out of my mouth. And I'm like, this is sad. sad. And it, so many times I've said, I couldn't remember my kids' names. I'm like, you know who you are. Why do you make me say your name? You know who you are. Just get over here. Yeah, my <laughs> parents have resulted to boy. And we just know which one she's talking about. <laughs> Come on, man. Praise be to God. Uh, Joe looks very young. Well, thank you, Mr. Thomas. I appreciate you saying so. Mr. Thomas, I have to t- confess to you that... Um, Lying is a sin. No, uh, Joe Stop. looks exactly Clearly, how old he is. Mr. Thomas is a man of great distinction and, and character and good judgment. He, Joe is obviously like ninety years old. It's <laughs> there's there's no doubt. Oh, I'm tired. Come on, man. Uh, let's see. Uh, what do we also? I want to thank some folks just for hanging out with us today. Mike K. Good morning to you, Susan. Good morning, Betty. It's good to see you back, Betty. Uh, Monica and Saint Teresa Avila is back with us. Praise be to God, Dan. Is Dan Vaccaro a new commenter? No. No. Well, welcome back, Dan. The horns of the apocalypse. We always give the horns to uh, returning returning commenters, Dan. So praise be to God. Welcome back. William Hemsworth. Don't know about all that. Yes, we do. Of course we do. It's long-standing tradition. I think it needs to be replaced. Long-standing tradition. It may not be there tomorrow. Embrace the traditions that were handed on. Hello, I read that somewhere. William Hemsworth, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Blanca Mora, welcome. Good morning. And Susanna. Blanca might be new. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Blanca. I'm pretty sure. Praise be to God. I think Blanca's a new commenter. Amen. Thanks for joining us, Blanca. We're very grateful to you. And God love you for women's rights. Commenting for the first time. It's a first time commenter. Yes. (laughs) It's kind of an awkward name, but okay. (laughs) Women's rights. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Praise be to God. Angelo, good morning to you. And Susan, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Susanna, good morning to you as well. Um, Of course, Mr. Thomas and Tammy. Uh, Tammy, good morning to you. Tammy made a great point. Tammy said that, you know, there's a lot of new commenters here today and uh, in general. And so it's very important that we let them know about Jesus is a friend. No, no, it is very important. Everyone needs to be aware. No, that not everyone needs to be aware. Everybody needs to be aware that Jesus is a friend of mine. It's very important. Judgment is coming. You must repent. It's how are you going to live with yourself? How do you how do you intend to live with yourself? Knowing what you do to listeners. 
On Judgment Day, on Judgment Jesus Day. is going to be like, what did you do <laughs> for the least of my your least? What have you done to the least of my? Did you show that video again, Adrian? Those are going to be the words that will sink most in your heart. John, uh, good morning to you. Uh, let's see here. He says, force of habit requires a lot of effort to think about it and break the habit, kind of like muscle memory. Yes. Yes. Amen. Jesus is a fr- uh, Jesus is a friend of mine. Will destroy your happy place. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, a friend of mine, is my happy Saint place. Saint Teresa of Avila, you must have seen that video. It's disturbing, is it not? Is it not disturbing? It is. I don't know what you're talking about. It is my happy place. It is the Catholic version of Rickroll all day long. Christopher Chance, good morning. Mary Barone and Melanie, good morning to you. Joaquin, good morning to you. Lori and Don, praise be to God. Good morning to you. Uh, who else? Christopher Champion said, Lori Powell. And see, I'm trying to back up here. See what? Paul Stasel, good morning to you. Luz, good morning to you, Luz. Gloria, good morning. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're uh, grateful you're on with us today. Who else was on here earlier? Let's see. Let's see. I know Patty was on. Praise be to God. Jesus Robles, good morning, friend of the show. Mike Hall, St. Thomas. Is that a new commenter on, on Facebook side? Uh, Mike which, Hall, which Mike Thomas? Hall which St. Thomas on Catholic Drive. Oh no, he's not. He's a uh, he's actually a friend of mine. We went to he went to University of St. Thomas uh, with me a, a while ago. Uh, I was a freshman. He was a senior. So that was a long time ago. But, Are you saying Adrian is a friend of his? Uh, well, Adrian is a friend of his, but also um, is, is also a friend of his. I thought I deleted that button. Bruce Toman and Buddy Kane, good morning to you. Patty, praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, let's see who else is on the GR inside. We had about uh, three shares over there, so praise God. Thank you for sharing our... Glenn, thank you for sharing our content. We're very grateful to you, Glenn. God love you and God bless you. Um, what else? Uh, Mr. Thomas had a question. Go for it. Uh, Mr. Thomas... Maureen, good morning. ...said... Uh, uh, first, Jonas... I have to read this. For Jonas said, I'm Adrian's number one fan. Thanks, Jonah. So that that was Jonah. important. That was important to 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 say. We're gonna have to work on that. Um, but Mr. Thomas <laughs> said, perhaps we will have time to talk about Texas na- new law where it won't be necessary to have a license to carry firearms. Is Jesus okay with us carrying weapons? Uh, we talked about this a long time ago. A few yeah. like four months ago, five months ago. Maybe we should have yeah. uh, Doug Barry talk come on back on to talk about this again. Yeah, but that's a good, um, good, good point. But definitely, our Lord is okay with carrying weapons. He ordered the uh, the apostles to sell their cloak and buy a sword if they did not have one. Um, and people will, will point out, oh, it seems as if you are, uh, there's a contradiction, contradiction here because our Lord later says to put away the sword and those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Uh, what's important to note is that our Lord is talking about, uh, different, uh, different tactics to different places. And this is important to note for not just this topic, but for a lot of things. Uh, there's not just one way, uh, well, to skin a cat. There's not one way to evangelize. Our Lord has given us different, uh, different ways to go about serving the kingdom of God. Now, here our Lord is talking about this and he's and what is he what is the difference being? The difference being when you go in different places, this is kind of how the fathers of the church uh kind of understood with this passage. The there whenever they our Lord sent them out, they were going to different directions. So if you're going to enemy territory, if you're going to where there's going to be bandits, where you're going to the land of the Gentiles where you uh your life would be in danger, he wanted you to be able to defend yourself. Because if our if the apostles just died needlessly, died by somebody robbing them, they would not be martyrs. If they were if they were just robbed, 
and they were killed in a robbery. They're not martyrs. They did not witness to the faith. They did not. They died senselessly in a sense. Um, instead, they're called to preach and evangelize, and they need to be able to reach the places that they are going to be able to preach the gospel. And so our Lord uh, had set this up for that reason. Uh, so, yes, we see, and we also see in the lives of the saints that there were kings and uh, that were warriors that are saints. Uh, king St. Louis IX, who went on a crusade, he was a saint. Um, king St. Ferdinand also fought in the crusades and fought against the Mohammedans. He's a saint. So many saints. Pius, the St. Pius V uh, was praying for the Battle of Ponto when they're going off to battle. So, yes, it is a, it is very, under, it's understood. The Cristeros. The, the Cristero martyrs, absolutely. Uh, so many saints were warriors. And so, no, having weapons is not a sin in any means. However, and, committing mortal sin is uh, obviously an issue. Of and course. So mm -hmm. murdering somebody, harming somebody needlessly, using excessive amount of force in a situation that would not need its law subsidiarity kind of. So we, we defend ourselves to the point that needs to be defending and no further. Um, so one has to one has to be prudent and right and just in every situation. Just today in the news, there was the story of uh, the, up in Indiana. Someone almost ran over a bunch of pro-lifers in a car. Um, so they were driving around in a car, and they could have harmed people uh, to the point of even of death. So we can see that guns aren't necessarily the issue as much as living in a state of grace is an issue and being well formed and properly trained those are also issues i would i would argue uh in our day and our time and i think the problem i see a lot is as kind of in our commentary on the what's concerning us section is we tend to d divide ourselves uh, along polit political lines see what i'm saying the brain doesn't want to work along political lines rather than we're catholic and if our Catholic faith teaches something that, that, that sounds conservative, well, that's not my fault and I don't care. If our Catholic faith teaches something that sounds liberal even, that's not my fault and I don't care. We're Catholic, so let the chips fall where they may. So the issue is not over the use of guns or a knife. I have a knife. I carry a knife all the time. I don't have to have a license to carry a knife. I can carry a big knife on my belt if I wanted to. You can carry a sword in Texas. I, yeah, I can carry a sword in Texas. The issue is... Um, do I live such a life where I would not only not harm other people if necessary, but I might even defend the innocent and put myself in a situation where I might even be harmed in the defense of other people's lives? Uh, so it, it, I think there's bigger issues at stake rather than uh, just, well, the state of Texas requires requires a license. And so and the, the state of Texas is basically arguing the Constitution does not say you have to have a license. The Constitution, uh, the amendment says we have a right to bear arms. Mm -hmm. I think that's the state of Texas's argument. As a Catholic, I argue, are we living in a state of grace? Because if we're not, it doesn't matter if you have a gun, a car, a rock, a bat, a stick, or your hands. You're going to harm somebody if you're intent on evil and anger versus um, moderation, control, and uh, resolution to, to do the right thing in all circumstances. Uh, Chris Chance made a great point on this topic. He said, The sword was meant to be used for defending others and the self. The church has never been pacifist. Amen, Chris. That's a, that's a great point. Um, that is the, the point of the sword of, and I guess in the modern sense, the gun is to defend others and defend yourself. It's not to commit crimes. It's not to murder people. It is in defense of God's law, of defense of God, and against a uh, defense of yourself, in defense of others. Very important. Very, very important. I would say this, though. If you're going to carry a gun, uh, the words of Christ, you live by the sword, die by the sword, you know, are, are a real thing. So I think the intent 
of the person should be uh, a big consideration. Like my son, my my oldest son, <laughs> when he moved out, he bought himself a sword. I'm like, why do you have a sword? And we had a good conversation. That's, cool. <laughs> That's what he said too. And I'm like, be careful. Uh, because you might find yourself in situations where you're going to be in and over your head very quickly. So be mindful, be, be aware of your surroundings, be aware of the people around you, and be paying attention, especially if you're a man. Because part of our call as men is to be leaders, protectors, and providers. As protectors, we should be uh, aware of our surroundings and those people. In every circumstances, we go into uh, buildings and, and offices or even church we're paying attention to people and what they're doing, what their behaviors are. We're paying attention to where the exits are and where things are in conjunction to each other because that's part of who we are as men. We're supposed to be protectors. So having the tools for the job of protector is right and, and rightly ordered. Um, but we have to be careful of those that are giving themselves over to sinful and selfish ways uh, because they could harm and misuse all kinds of things. Amen. Mr. Thomas, does that answer your question? Hopefully it does. Um, let us know in the comments. Let's see. Yes, and I think Christopher Chance brings up a good point, too. Uh, for those of us that are trying to be responsible, upright uh, men and women, I would say if you're going to carry a weapon, be responsible enough to be trained and know how to use that and know, uh, be comfortable with its operation. Know when and where to pull it out and, and to, in what circumstances you can use it and what circumstances you ought not to use it. You know, a there's a frightening statistic on, on um, firearms training, even with like uh, police, police officers, um, even though they train a lot, even them in, in high risk and high level of intense and stress, stressful situations, their accuracy drops quite a bit in those circumstances. Why? Because it ain't easy. Because it's hard to think and act with that muscle memory uh, in those circumstances and be precise. And that's why so few human beings can operate at that level and be super precise. We call them tier one operators like Delta Force, uh, SEAL Team 6, those kinds of things. Um, everybody else... They, even though they train a lot, they still their accuracy drops quite a bit. Imagine if you're a homeowner and you never go to the range, you yeah. never train with your with your with your handgun, with your shotgun, with your rifle, whatever it may be. You never train for circumstances. You never train. I mean, are, are you thinking about your the round selection you use for home defense? Are you going to use a thirty caliber round? Okay, like a lot of AR packages do. Well, that round can go not only through a person. I know it's graphic, and I'm sorry to say it that way, but it could also pass through walls. It could go across the street and pass through a neighbor's wall, too. Are you prepared for that? Are you thinking about that? Um, when you think about home defense, you should be considering more than just the obvious what's in front of you because that won't help you when the time comes. Can you? Is this weapon safe uh, uh, with children in the house? <clears throat> Can you access the weapon and still be safe in a hurry? What are your plans? Have you thought through those things? I think these are all reasonable considerations. Yeah, and I think Mr. Thomas said, yes, uh, you're awesome, yes, but I feel afraid to travel to Texas where some say everyone has weapons. Well, right off the bat, no, not everybody has weapons. There are, a lot of people do, but not everybody. Um, that's a slight exaggeration, or it is a, it's a great exaggeration. A lot of people don't, especially in more like city levels. A lot of uh, people, businesses don't even allow weapons. So the, don't worry about that. And also, most people who carry, um, they are good people. Everyone I know that carries are good, holy people that uh, are carrying in order to defend other people. So uh, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Also, it's it's much safer in Texas in general. 
uh, not to mention gun violence specifically than other states like uh, Illinois and Chicago. Uh, or how about New like Jersey? That. New Jersey has very strict gun laws, and they had that horrific shooting over the weekend. Or uh, there was, I think, two fatalities and a dozen people injured or more. I mean, it was pretty horrific. And that's a very uh, strict gun law state. So the laws aren't as important to people bent on doing harm to other people. The culture is more important. The culture. So I would say this, Mr. Thomas. Um, you know what? Give it some time. Um, if, in fact, this is going to lead to great harm, well, time will tell, right? I mean, if people are going to start caring and doing things irresponsibly and immoral and, and horrible things, well, they're going to do the, they were going to do them anyway, in my opinion. But you'll, you'll see the proof will be in the pudding. It's kind of like when uh, the governor uh, scaled back the COVID precautions and everybody's you know, lambasting the state of Texas for doing it. Well, now here we are a month or pl- two months almost into it. And actually, COVID has been dropping ever since. You know, mass mandates have been redu- have been t- removed and COVID protocols have been reduced. The COVID numbers are reducing in Texas and life is pre- fairly normal here. Um, so I would just say time will tell, you know. But again, there's no way to escape. And I remember listening to some exorcist priests talk on this point. And this sort of notion within some Catholics to think that they can, they, they can insulate themselves from the sins of the world. <clears throat> And that's just not going to be the case. Even St. Augustine, in his book, The City of God, lambasting uh, those Christians who were crying and complaining that they suffered under the, the, you know, the invasions in Rome. And he's like, you know, the, the Romans were living horrible lives, very immodest, very hedonistic lifestyles. And what did we do to convert them? Nothing. Well, guess what? When punishments come, everybody participates, the good and the bad. And there's a sense to that to say, you could be living anywhere on planet Earth, and your life is only in as much danger as God will allow. And there's no escaping it. If, if it be God's will, either passive or intentionally, to allow something to happen to you, well, that's God's will. But if it's not God's will that something should happen to you, you could live in the most dangerous city on the planet, and nothing will happen to you because it can only happen if God allows it. So, ultimately... Live by the sword, die by the sword. That's about the intention of the heart. Or like today's gospel, when Jesus says, give up your fathers, your mothers, your brothers, your lands, your sisters, and all that stuff. Um, it's not necessarily as much about that. It's about what is your heart's intention to, uh, to seek God first in every circumstance, or do you hang on to this world and the attachments of this world more than you do God? So I think an intention is a big deal. Awesome. Uh, to switch topics a little bit, or I guess a lot. Uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about and one thing I'm working on right now, I'm working on a podcast to talk about, uh, well, I already have a podcast, but I'm working on a podcast on the uh, perpetual virginity of Mary because there have been a lot of people in response to the Chosen series, and I haven't seen the Chosen series, so I have no opinion one way or the other about the actual show itself, but me and Joe were talking about how on many movies and TV shows that depict Our Lady, it's common for them to depict that Our Lady experienced pain in childbirth, and that's simply not a belief of the Catholic Church. We do not believe that the uh, that Our Lady experienced birth pains whenever she bore our Lord. Now, this is incredibly important because this is tied in with the dogma that Our Lady is a perpetual virgin, virgin before, during, and after the birth of Jesus, a perpetual virgin. So, the church fathers pretty much unanimously agree that our Lord was, uh, whenever she, whenever our Lord was born, 
he passed through her womb like light through glass. So that's very important. And I'm going to, uh, I'm, comp- I'm compiling the scripture passages, uh, the church fathers, the doctors, the theologians, and the mystics on this topic. Because at first someone, I was talking to someone and they were saying, you know, it's not even, it's not doctrinal. It's not dogmatic that the, that our Lord lady was, uh, was, did not experience birth pains. And I was like, oh, well, maybe that's true. I don't know. And so I started looking into it and it seems clear to me. That at the bare minimum, it's the ordinary universal magisterium that we must believe it, that it's doctrinal. But it's to the extent that I'm like almost on the verge of saying that it is dogmatic because it's it's pretty pretty universal and it might be an, it might be an apostolic tradition which would make it dogmatic. Um, but I'm still looking into it, so I'm gonna probably do that sometime this week, maybe Friday. Yeah, all right. praise be to God. Um, let's see what else. What else is going on out there besides besides that? Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play, as the, as the saying goes? Um, let's see. I'm trying to scroll back and see what else was used here. Yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris see, said, see. in my opinion, the depiction of the Blessed Virgin Mary wasn't bad, but I don't think it would be possible for the best actress to depict her perfectly. Well, that's clearly true. that's true. That's true. I, don't you agree, though, that they could try to do better? I mean, like, for instance, there are. I was mentioning this uh, yesterday to Adrian. And Adrian knows this is my biggest pet peeve. There could be a fantastic film if they depict Our Lady wrong. I mean, I probably tolerate more bad Jesus depictions than I do Our Lady depictions. Um, probably because Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He created all of us. He can defend himself pretty well. Uh, but Our Lady, um, you know, she's, she's special in a very special way. She's our mother that he was given to us at the foot of the cross. So, um, yes, I don't like that. So there was a film that came out, I don't know, a decade ago at least, about the nativity. And you've seen, you've either seen this film or you've seen this, the trailer for this film or you've seen pictures of this film because it, they get used all the time every Christmas about in a cave, light coming through the roof, and J- Joseph is standing over um, uh, Mary delivering in the labor pains of delivering Jesus. And you're looking at this and going, there was no single Catholic theologian ever consulted for this film. And what kills me about this movie is they put a lot of effort into things like set design, costumes, and acting. They had good actors. They, they put money and time and effort into the production value. And you're like, this is great. And then they, they botch it with terrible theology uh, even the Annunciation in that film bothered me to no end because it was like arrogance on behalf of the angel announcing to to this young girl. And that's how it came across to me anyway, my perception of it. And I'm just like, you have no idea what is actually going on here. Because if you did, you wouldn't dare try to depict it in this way. So, uh, and was it last year? No, it was the year before. Maybe it was last year. I can't recall. Either 2019 or 2020. I interviewed uh, the director of a small budget film, independent film called Full of Grace. I think it was called Full of Grace, wasn't it? Full of, I'm, I'm Googling, Grace Amazon movie. And um, <clears throat> no, not Amazon movie. That's hilarious. Kathy said, uh, I agree, Adrian. St. Catherine of Siena had a vision of Christ's birth. And Mary did not have birth pains. When I first read that, I thought a way to avoid birthing pains is be a virgin, LOL. I guess in a sense that's true because <laughs> if you never have a have a kid, you can never experience birthing pains. 
Okay, so I found the film. It's called Full of Grace, the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. I saw the film on Amazon Prime. I interviewed the director of this film. This was a low-budget, independent film that I thought they did a great job based on what they they could do. Now, here's what I did not like about the film. Their depiction of St. Peter was horrendous. And I told the guy, it really turned me off. I could, I, 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 I was... I was rolling my eyes and really frustrated with St. Peter in this film. I wanted to smack him the entire time I'm watching. I'm like, Peter, get it together. You're the Pope. You know, I just, I really wanted to grab him and shake him up. It it was so annoying to me. But our lady in this film was amazing. This actress did a great job trying her, her hardest to depict a person, a human creature who has no sin. Again, I say this a billion times, you and I have concupiscent natures. We are inclined towards sin and disordered passions. Our lady was not. So she didn't see the world the way we, you and I do. She didn't react in the world the way you and I do. She didn't react to anxieties and, and stress in the same way that you and I would. A person without concupiscence is not the same as a person with concupiscence. And she didn't have it. So, And it kills me that... like. We can't seem to find, get these movies at the highest level budget with this notion in, in tow. It just it's boggles the mind. Boggles yeah, the mind. I think it should be a requirement when people, especially Catholics, make movies about our Lord and our Lady that they should go through and read um, Venerable Mayor of Agreda's Mystical City of God, Blessing and Catherine Emmerich's, um, what is the name of her book? Um, her visions, uh, Catherine of Siena's visions, all of the, the mystics, and read their visions, the glories of Mary, all these books on Our Lady and Our Lord's life when they walked the earth, things that are not in Scripture, and see the way they interacted with people, um, how they responded to certain things, because it's really, it's very, very, very difficult for us to understand and to wrap our heads around how our Lord and Our Lady would react in certain situations because they are not like us. And it's true that our Lord, said, the scripture says that our Lord is like us on all things except sin. But the except sin part is a huge deal because that's a huge driving force of us. We have concupiscent nature and we don't see things in the same way that people that don't have sin see things. Just look at Genesis. Look at our, our at Adam and Eve, how they acted in the garden before the fall, and then look at the, all of the society after the fall. It's very, very different. So it's very difficult to grasp and understand it. And I think reading what the mystics saw uh, it would uh, would help so much. Uh, Janelle, you want to say something? Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. We had a couple comments on that. Uh, Chris said, Joe, I'd be curious on your thoughts on the chosen episode where Jesus interacts with the children. I feel the scene with the camera focus on Jesus emotion when the children recite the Shema was the very, was his best depiction of his humanity. Uh, Lou said, I have not seen the chosen either. I agree with you, Joe, that it is why I have not seen the chosen. I respect everyone's opinion on it, but I'd rather not see it. Full of Grace is a great film. I have also seen it, but I feel you, Joe. I felt the same way about Peter, but I do love the way they portrayed Mother Mary. Yes, best Mother Mary I've ever seen on film, and I include the Passion of the Christ in there as well. I liked Our Lady in the Passion of the Christ, but I liked this Our Lady better in the Full of Grace, but St. Peter, total disaster in that film. And I did let the uh, director know that I felt that way. Um, Still, I recommend it. Now, have I seen Chosen? Yes, I have seen up until the wedding feast at Cana. That's when Our Lady is introduced, and I could go no further. 
uh, I was totally turned off. Now, I will say this. I was intrigued by Jonathan Rumi as portraying his character, portraying Jesus. I was intrigued. I liked the look. Uh, I liked the accent. I liked his interaction with the children. I enjoyed those. From an entertainment standpoint, if they had not messed up my uh, Our Lady, then I probably would watch The Chosen more because it's entertaining and it's wholesome. And, and I, there was a lot to like there. I don't put it up on a theological pedestal, but at the same time, I could get with it. But because they, in my opinion, didn't do justice to Our Lady, I just like, that's a pet peeve. I stop. I can't go any further. But I like Jonathan Rumi's character there. There's, it's very intriguing. It's very welcoming, I would say. Very uh, insightful. But I haven't watched more than that, so I can't speak more of that either. So I don't know how it's gone since. At any rate, we're out of time. God love you. God bless you. We'll be praying for you. Hopefully you'll be praying for us. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Uh, we have a, a new lineup, new guests, new opportunities all coming up. God bless. Thank you for joining us.